Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Lantern Roo Cycling Podcast for a day of GC action. A brilliant stage in the Criterium de Dauphiné. I really enjoyed it. The final mountain stage finishing, a, it's like a matinee performance, finishing at 2.30 in the <laughs> afternoon from Le Pont de Clare. I think that's to not cut across Le Mans and Roland Garros. That's why I'm not complaining. Uh, from Le Pont de Clare to La Bastille, which is this absolute rampass climb. You rarely see these in French races compared to the Vuelta, like yeah. a despicably difficult climb. But before then, it's a lot of... I like I call these pagacha climbs because they're 20 minutes, about six to seven percent, and they're all put together after a medium mountain start. The difference the different climb is the Col du Granier, which is 10 k's, 8.7 percent, but n- almost no flat in the last 60 k's of this stage before a 2 k 14 percent finish, and it was yeah I thought this was a really really good stage, Benji, particularly because the breakaway we had some ambitious people who weren't far away on GC in there. Exactly. We didn't see the GC battle. Well, the, no, we didn't see the breakaway battle. That's a very different thing at the start of the stage because the yeah the broadcast of our Dauphiné starts a bit later. But I can imagine that it was quite a fierce battle looking at the profile it being so hilly at the start. And yeah, Alaphilippe was in there. GC Jella, as you announced him yesterday, he was in that breakaway. And I actually liked seeing that. And for two reasons, both that he's trying to get ahead of things and maybe still wants to try and get a stage win this way or wants to have a bit of an advantage by the time he reaches the mountains at the end of the stage on the GC riders. But on the other end, that Yumbo wasn't this this team that hunts every person in the top 10 down just because they're six or eight minutes behind. So relatively close. Yumbo knows they can catch this guy if they want to. So they allow him to be in the breakaway. And I like that on both ends. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean... There's just no point chasing him too aggressively. You know it's going to come back later in the stage. And yeah. when coverage started, the breakaway had already kind of disintegrated. I mean, we saw... That's why. <laughs> I wish we could do, like, flex coverage. Like, can we transfer the Giro whole stage coverage? Yeah. All those kilometers of covered if nothing happened in these medium, these transition stages, and get... Dovene stage eight every single year is a cracker. And it starts from climb one every year. Remember 2020 Pino and everyone, yeah. Pogaccio was crazy. Can we get full coverage of this stage? We'd, I don't need the other ones, but this one would be great. But yeah, <laughs> apparently it already kind of blew up on Granier. I'd, Ineos, I think, well, uh, apparently, paced, but I never saw proof of that. Yeah, there was a, there was a scenario occurring because this break was nine rides at the start of the stage. Alaphilippe, Trentin, Ciccone, Campanars, Oliveira, De La Cruz, Tish Benoit for Jumbo Visma, Bonamour and Jean Poussin. So some riders in there that you would say, these are the riders that can win this stage if it goes to the breakaway, because they're in the breakaway. But also because they're those kind of climbers that could win a, a stage 20 in a Grand Tour, like Jean Poussin, like Ciccone, like, and Alaphilippe could, uh, could do that in some years. De La Cruz could do that in some years. Gap was max 2 minutes 30, and like you said, Gold Granier, the gap was 1 minute 30, and Ineos set something up. I don't know if it was 
pacing to make it hard because it felt like they were trying to launch someone, which was Castro Viejo, because Castro attacked on the Col de Granier. He was not in the breakaway initially, and he bridged up towards the... I can't tell you that he bridged up to the breakaway itself because I swear the second that he got close, there were people in the breakaway making sure that he didn't get close. <laughs> it was an interesting dynamic. And in the meanwhile, in the peloton, you've got Laporte making sure the gap is slow on the before Granier. Then on Granier, you see the actual climbing parts of Yumbo keeping control after Castro's attack because they don't care about Castro going up the road, obviously. And at that point, when you see Castro making a move, did you think that's just for the stage or is that for a GC attack by Bernal two climbs later? I don't really know. Maybe it's a defensive satellite. I think it might mm -hmm. have been for the stage if he thought yeah. Yumbo weren't bringing it back enough because he didn't really, uh, judging from his later actions, I didn't really see him riding for a dropped yeah. Ineos GC rider. So it must have been for the stage, but it's kind of curious to see that. And Yumbo, yeah, don't react. Um, I like it. I like the no, strategy. Yeah, they just, nothing really happens. They just, but they're setting, it's obviously a heavy pace because yeah. the peloton is pretty thin on Granier with Van Bala pacing, like it's 25 riders. It's only really the best riders plus one domestique. You're out to bring one friend with you at this point of the race. <laughs> um, like Hindley with Bookman and co. So yeah. And then we get to the Col de Coucheron and mm -hmm. I don't even know. It was still Van Bala pacing. I think this is yeah. the, now we're now into like 40 Ks to go. No, sorry. Less 35 Ks to go. It's a 7% climb. It's not that hard, but the last, Two and a half Ks are steep. And Yumbo still, they're just doing their pace. And one of their riders was pacing. I think it was still Van Bala, right? And Volta hadn't mm -hmm. taken over yet. And you, they were just, Gap was 130. Ciccone, there was some good action in the breakaway, actually. Like, Alaphilippe was in full Alaphilippe mode this whole stage. Like, full <laughs> panache. He's shaking his legs out. He's attacking for the camera. He's flicking himself at later in the stage. It was absolutely brilliant uh, to see. <laughs> Giacone, I think, was a bit more uh, measured. Yeah. And Bonneau's not really pulling too much. He's clearly there as a defensive satellite, I think. Castro also wasn't pulling too much eventually when he got back to that group. Um, but when did UAE take over, Benji? Because they went to the front with Groschart and then Micah setting a really hard pace, which virtually dropped everybody. Exactly. That happened on the Col de Port, which is the last major climb of the stage. Like you said, Benoit's in that break has a defensive satellite. What you mean by that is basically that he's up there just in case that if someone makes a move in the peloton, that Fingergaard still has Benoit up there just in case. He probably won't need it, let's be real. Without Benoit up there, Fingergaard could easily take care of the GC riders himself, but regardless of that, he had him up there. But UAE was indeed setting some tempo, so some stuff was happening. I don't believe this is for the victory. But then suddenly I was thinking, he is thinking about the victory because Yui does this move. Groschartner, you said it. Micah, you said it. They're pacing. And then Yates attacks on the Col de Port and then kind of stalls once he sees that Vinga is with him alone. And the others are kind of on a gap. And I'm like, if this is for the podium, what Yui is doing, if this is to secure the second position on the podium, then Yates continues riding, no? No. No? No, because then you just let... If you were going for second, you mm -hmm. keep Micah and Groschartner around you and you you make sure nothing happens on the descent and then you trust yourself on the final climb, I think. I, yeah. I doubt if you're Yates, you think O'Connor and Hindley will drop you on that final climb. I, I couldn't figure it out myself. I mean, that could be it because they are drops. So just keep... 
I think he doesn't yet do this on her feet a little bit. Like mm-hmm. when Poggy's in his wheel, like he keeps riding a heavy pace after the attack, trying yep. to, and then eventually he does. He's he never fully like, you know, when Poggy attacked Jonas last year in the tour, it's like huge attack on yep. Spandell. Jonas gets to the wheel, fully like stops. And then huge, it's not like that. It's more, yeah, one big surgeon and heavy pace. But then he eases off a little bit. Hindley was dropped a bit by O'Connor. So O'Connor comes across. He's defending third from Hindley for podium. <laughs> the Australian wars were great. Third, fourth, fifth. They were the best. I was focusing on that. Didn't care about the winner um, of, the, of the overall GC. And yeah, Hindley is dropped. And O'Connor then starts pacing that group. Philippe gets caught from the breakaway. He's mm-hmm. fucked. He then does a full gas effort on the front of Yates for the camera. Yeah. There's no other explanation. But notes drop. I, th- what I could think, Benji, is if you're at Yates, you try to keep Benoit behind so you make it actually mano y mano and Jonas doesn't have Benoit for the descent. Yeah, yeah. That's a, pos- a possible solution there. But we got to keep in mind, because of all these moves in the group, the gap towards the front is reducing, right? The gap's now down to 30... Ooh, my lens is falling off my camera again. Anyway, we've got the scenario. 37 seconds at the top of the call to port. And I was thinking, if somebody attacks here, for example, Vingegaard, because it's the only person that has it left there, eh? Yates has made his move, was spacing. Vingegaard was the next step that could potentially counter that. If he attacks there, he still has a chance of winning the stage. If he doesn't, I didn't believe in the stage anymore, but there's another man that attacks. And I was shocked he was still in the group. <laughs> Pedrero. Where did he fuck? come from? Dude, he's been in World Tour since 2016. I know he's had some nice-ish climbing performances. He went well at Route Doc Sitany, which is on, I think, this Giro. week coming up. 2018? The yeah, one where sure. Nibli versus Roglic on the either Mortirolo or Mortirolo, I think, where he paced really well. But he's 31. And he's attacking Jonas and Yates after it's been like nuclear heavy pace all day. Crazy performance. And he was, he's clearly got free <laughs> reign. He wasn't helping Mars, which I thought was good. I, I actually thought there was a decent chance for them to win the stage because Benoit comes mm-hmm. back. It's 30, 40, 35 seconds. But the problem is, Benoit, as I've seen this week, Benoit is not a fast ascender. But Jonas isn't, regardless of that, Jonas is not going to take this descent himself eating wind, you're still pedaling through yep. the corners. So Benoit goes on the front, he doesn't do the quickest descent, and then they actually lose another 15 seconds plus to Ciccone on the descent, and that's when I was like, now the stage is fully done if Ciccone doesn't <laughs> fully blow up, because Pedrera's up the road, did the descent on his own. In the group, we should say, Hinley comes back, Haig comes back, Guillaume Martin, Menkes, Alaphilippe, Jonas, Yates, Micah even comes back over the top. And yeah, it's, yeah, I think... But this climb, Benji, I've rarely seen this in French stage races. I love it. This this is one of the most brutal finishing climbs we'll see in cycling this year. What is Rampa Inhumana in French? That is um, the real question. Animal? No, that's it. That's not it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I generally don't know. don't know what it's called. <laughs> but that's it. A French Rampa Inhumana, and I, I, I bloody love it. Because... Even if the gap is 57 seconds at the foot, because the gap is 57 seconds at the foot, Pedro is in no man's land in between the, the front of the race and the GC group. And I'm still like, if Vingerard goes all out from the bottom, there's a slight chance that something might happen. Even though Ciccone obviously is a competent climber, 
it's very likely he wins the stage at this point. 99% chance, but because this finish is so brutal, I still had some my, part of my mind that thought, maybe it might be possible. You never know. Maybe he does a huampe and nearly rides into the barrier. So there was something there. But it's also, if you put this kind of stage in a, in a Grand Tour, and it's not the 20th stage, it's just a breakaway stage, no? Oh yeah, we would be complaining about, you made the final climb too difficult, so no one's going to attack on these 6 kilometers, 6% <laughs> climbs beforehand, like well, in the Giro. The length of the climb is a difference though, because this exactly. is only 1.5k, so people are incentivized still to attack on the earlier climbs. So I think exactly. this is much better than a Fedaya style finish. And, and exactly, that's a great point. Like Col du Granier is the hardest overall period of climbing in this stage, and it's 60k's from the finish. And then you have that wall finish. And so, I mean, you could also say that about Trey Chimi, like Paso Zhao. And uh, anyway, this was a great stage with all, and even without huge GC gaps or changes, we get onto the climb. Micah starts pacing, and it very quickly becomes apparent to me that Yates is not going to attack because yep. if he wanted to really do any well first of all gc is gone if he so if he wants to win the stage in cash Chacona, you've got to attack at the base with the gap at one minute and mike it's, it reminded me a little bit of granol mike is pacing mike is pacing mike is pacing i'm like yep. yeah it's gonna attack because it's like 20 percent ramps already Jonas is in mike's wheel and then we get to this steep hairpin Jonas finally launches and there was a moment where ooh, if Chaconi has a wobble Maybe Vingegaard could come back to him. Uh, but yeah, Vingegaard wasn't able to. Chicone dropped his glasses on purpose to save weight on the climb, even though that's his signature celebration. Yeah, I, I what was, the hell, man? I was salty. I was like, he's going to win and he's going to throw his glasses into the public again. But no, no, no. He dropped them on the climb. Was it really because of weight? Has to be, right? But I'll need to check if he still had his bid on in. <laughs> if he has his bead on him but dropped his glasses oof, yeah. the people will torture him anyway did he like do a different announcement when he was celebrating because I saw some people people rumoring he did that seven. he did 7 he put up the number 7 or 8 extension 2027 yeah maybe <laughs> maybe or he wants 7 million across 3 years <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway I'd love Chico that Chicone holds on. Actually, a really impressive performance. He was fourth on stage six, uh, leading the GC group over. Yeah, he fell out of GC after the TT and, and the other stages, but I really liked that he got in the break here. Instead of going for a top 10 on GC, which he had more, he had the level to come top 10 on GC. Yeah. He went for a stage. He won the hardest stage, I think, of this race so far. And he held off. He only lost 40 seconds to Vingegaard on this climb, 37 seconds, despite being in the breakaway all day. Really, really impressive. And also after missing the Giro when he was in good shape. And I think he would have actually added a lot to that Giro d'Italia. An Italian in good shape who's yeah. won punchy finishes. I, I think he would have added a lot to the Giro. He, he couldn't do it because of COVID and he was very sick. So I'm, I'm very happy he's in good shape. And I, I hope he brings this level to the Tour de France, um, winning his 10th race and... His first, uh, his first race in France. Oh, his first World Tour race in France. Um, yeah, but yeah. I'm disappointed because yesterday I made the big take that Julien Philippe would end up losing his top 10 after the stage. And because Ciccone lost five seconds somewhere across the route, Alaphilippe made a top 10. Happy for Alaphilippe, though, but <laughs> sad for my take. <laughs> Alaphilippe tried his hardest. So in the group yep. behind, yeah, Vingegaard... Puts 10 seconds into, into Yates. The gap didn't actually go up too much. 
Uh, O'Connor sees some weakness in Hindley, and he attacks him again and secures his top three on GC. That's back-to-back -back years podium in GC. Guillaume Martin actually was very strong, and he dropped Haig, but the gap was just too much to move up. But he was a fifth on GC, but he moves up from eighth to sixth. Uh, who lost? Danny Martinez, Benji. Ooh. So that was clear from Castro, right? Castro finishes on yeah. two minutes on his own. Not He didn't wait for Bernal, who... He should have, to be honest. Yeah, like he's never winning. He's just never winning this stage. He's never, ever winning this stage. So I, I kind of yeah. agree, even though I don't think it would have changed the GC position. But, nah, but Danny Martinez cracks really early and he loses like 17 minutes and he finishes, falls out of... 6th to 23rd, so Carlos Shadow Rodriguez Realm. a good day. He moves from 13th to 9th. Um, but yeah, actually no changes in the top 5 on GC, despite some some good attacking. Uh, are but, you, don't you feel like Ineos, their riders, like, a different rider was good every day? Like, Carlos was the best yeah, today. I agree, but the ones that dropped out today, for example, Martinez that dropped out today, he completely capitulated, basically. Yeah. While if we take a look at Rodriguez and Bernal, they were able to have some consistency and not capitulate at some point in the race, which matters quite a bit if you're going to try and top 10 a race. Now, what does this say for the Tour de France for Ineos? I'm, I'm honestly not even sure because they've got Pitcock on the side. Pitcock, I don't believe in GC this year. But when it comes to the rest of the team, I also kind of don't believe in GC this year because... These riders need to step up quite a bit for the Tour de France to be able to compete for the podium. And right now, I think they're hoping that they'll top five. I think they think they'll podium. They go for the podium, and they they got to go all in for stages, right? Shouldn't they ride this like if it's like their EF Education Easy Post? Hope that one of them top fives mm -hmm. tries to stay in GC. Don't you never take the race upon yourself as a GC team? Yeah, and then everyone else has free reign to go for stages. Do you remember more? Poll for the audience: Who's remembered more? Pidcock <laughs> on Alpe d'Huez, which was a whole Netflix episode winning that stage, or Alexander Vlasov's fifth in the tour last year? If you're the sponsor, what do you want? Pitcock. To me, the answer is pretty obvious. Um, but then again, unironically, and this is not criticism to Vlasov. This is more criticism to the cycling industry if Vlasov won in the same way as Pitcock last year it wouldn't be as hyped up in the yeah media. of course yeah that's a fair <laughs> point and listen getting paid top GC results get you paid um yeah. so rather than stage wins generally speaking like, if Pitcock was fifth in the tour last year there would be so much more talk about true, it than Vlasov last year top five that would they would have made the episode about that that's a fair point but I'm just saying like uh, I, I also think you can go for the fifth on GC. I have no problem with that yeah. either. You should, but that doesn't mean you need seven guys around that guy every day keeping him safe for GC. I, th I think they've got to go for stages with like a frailer with Castro, which they actually tried to do today. Um, and then, yeah, Carlos battles into the top 10. Um, I would say the Max Poole struggled today. He lost a lot of time. I thought he was going to actually top 10 this race, but he, he struggled. Surprising. Yeah, I was surprised. He looked so good the other days. Maybe that's just a recovery thing. He's like 20 years old, 22 years old. Um, is Vingard washed, Benji? He didn't win. Is Vingard washed? He didn't win the stage. Uh, I wouldn't... I don't know. Is Vingard <laughs> washed? 
That 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 question came so out of nowhere that I don't know how to respond to it. <laughs> I um I don't think he's washed. I think he could have won the stage if he attacked on the second last climb. Oh yeah, yeah. Called the port attack, he wins the stage, in my opinion. Because his ascending is not terrible. I would rate Chikone slightly higher, even though Vingegaard's ascending pretty okay. But Chikone has more to lose. So that's why I would expect Chikone yeah. to go faster in the descent. And then probably the last climb is spaced from the bottom all out for Vingegaard if he wants to win the stage. And then he has a chance of winning. But otherwise, he, he didn't if it came down to the last, the last climb. That being said, outside of that, I don't think he's washed. I think he's favorite for the Twitter France right now. I, uh, I don't think Pogacar doesn't have a chance to win the Tour de France, but I think it's about... Hmm. Oh, good question. If we put a percentage on it on my end, I would say about... Because I've not seen Pogacar with the wrist on a bike, I can't tell you how much chance Pogacar has to win the Tour de France. Because for all we know, he rides the same way Nibali did with his wrist issue that one time. Nibali broke his wrist and rode the Giro. And... It was actually not terrible in that yeah. Giro. So I believe that it's really 60-40 in my head. Well, in your head, yesterday you said 100-0, but I don't believe you actually believe that. Jace is pretty good. Um, I'm scared of Adam Yates, actually. <laughs> How are you scared of Adam Yates and not of Pogacar? Come on, I'm get scared, out of no, here. I'm scared of the combination of the two of them. I think Vingegaard's better than both, but the combination like Yates is much better than everybody else. That was at this race, apart from Vingegaard. If UAE can find a way to put those two together, like Pogacar has to be. The thing is, like, uh, of course, I was being a bit tongue in cheek yesterday, but <laughs> do you believe Pogacar crashed in Liège to the audience? Yes, I don't believe the crash was fabricated. <laughs> the Who crash the fuck is saying that. Is <laughs> well, actual pe conspiracy people are acting, people are acting that? like that. Oh, oh, in then, that way. Then logically. It's not a good thing, is it? And so if already last year, and people forget, okay, yeah, Roglic was great on Granada, I accept that. Jonas still beat the brakes off Pogacar for the rest of that race. He just didn't attack him until Altacam, and where he cooked, torched him again, mm -hmm. and the TT torched him again. It put like three minutes, four minutes into him. It wasn't just like one time Pogacar forgot to eat a gel and then the rest of the race he was back to slapping the shit out of Ingegaard. That yeah. really wasn't the race. So that's also how I'm viewing it. And so, and that was Pogacar at peak level, good preparation, no broken wrist. So it's like the wrist thing is, yeah, I, I think it's, it doesn't help obviously. And, yeah. you know, Jonas might even be a little bit better, but Yates is very, very good. Uh, and the team, UAE team looks very, very good. So of course it's not a done deal. Anything can happen. Um, but that's, uh, it's also the first week is very unusually difficult from a GC perspective. It's very difficult uh, yep. on the tour this year, which it's is fun. not good. Um, well, it is good for us. Of course, but, but if you're Pogaccio <laughs> hoping to come into the race, to oh, develop yeah. during the race, that's not yeah. a positive. Um, anyway. It is not, wins, but yeah. I feel like those kind of stages are easier to, easier to survive for him than the pure mountain stage if they came in week one. Let's say Cordelot is a pure mountain stage, though. Yeah, but my man, come on, that's a break stage. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tourmalade, dude. It's the longest climb in the race. Okay. I think the hardest, the consistent one. Yeah, but the, th the problem is the finish is, is e easy. <laughs> and it's hard from the top of the tourmalade as well. That's also the issue. Yeah, yeah. You're right. And Puy de Dome is like. 
okay, it's hard, but it's not a it's not a one hour climb either. So yeah, it's not like Col de Loz, but still, it's more difficult, I think, than uh, Puy de Dome is harder than Planche de Belfi. Yeah, and Tourmalet stage is harder than the uh, Chateau de Jungle stage, stage nine last year. Yeah, 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 Pino. yeah. So yeah. Uh, anyway, Vingard wins GC by two twenty three. That's actually one of the biggest margins that Dauphiné has been won by in this century. O'Connor third. Uh, on 256, Hindley on 316, then Haig, his third consecutive fifth on 347, then Martin Menkes, nice results for them. And Torsten Train, eighth in, a, eighth in the Dauphiné, is a really nice result. Congrats to him as well. Then Rodriguez, Chala. Uh, yeah, so what do you think, Benji? This Dauphiné. What do I think? Uh, I don't know. Did you, did you see what's kind of dead for the victory yeah, pretty early on? It so bit... it was a bit mad. Yeah. <laughs> this Dauphiné, I... That's that's gonna be classified in the. I won't rec- remember this at all. <laughs> I'm glad Chicone won. Yeah, Jonas same. didn't need to win this stage. I'm glad it means more to Chicone for him to win this stage. Agreed. Volta to the yeah. tour? Question mark. Volta to the tour. Well, I re- I recall reading somewhere that he is the next um, next Reserve. replacement if someone drops out. And let's be honest about it, Jumbo's luck before the Giro. There's always a possibility that yeah. someone will drop out in the next two weeks, but. Let's hope for the riders that are selected that that doesn't happen. But that being said, he looks good. I don't know if he's had... What? By the way, if a rider like Walter has an altitude camp versus living in Andorra, what is the major difference between an altitude camp and the other? The team support, probably. You mean, but living... Because like I live at 1,300 meters. Yeah. And everyone, most of the people I know in this valley live at 1,300, 1,350. Jack lives mm-hmm. at like 1,400 there's yeah. no, there's no real altitude benefit from that. Oh, it's okay. actually a negative. Um, negative. Yeah, in, because it, because it affects it affects your sleep. Okay. It still affects your sleep, but you don't really get the over two thousand meters altitude benefit. Um, and then every climb we do in this valley, the average altitude is like seventeen hundred meters yeah. of the climb, and it's super difficult. It's great to lose weight, but. Um, <laughs> So, but that's different. Dowsett lived, I think, over 2,000 meters, but I don't live, most people don't live up there. And Walter, okay. I don't think, lives up there either. Um, so, yeah, a proper altitude camp is, is way higher. Uh, okay. So, that's different. That explains a lot. Good yeah. to know. Anyway. Um, last things from this Dauphiné that I'm just thinking of quickly. Uh, should Laporte go for green? Should Laporte go for green? Yeah. Instead of Wout No. Yeah. No. If Alphanad doesn't go, then don't go for Laporte either. <laughs> At that point, you're kind of like, oh, we're not going to do it with our best rider for green. Let's do it with our second best rider for green. True. <laughs> oh, but just, kind, of feel, kind of feels like arrogance towards the opponents. <laughs> so Poole has got nothing on his program on PCS. Uh, yep. I would, he's already done. He could do the tour. But Vuelta. just we've already spoken about Ineos. Yeah, I think Vuelta makes sense. Uh, just circling back to, we've spoken about Ineos going back to... um. UAE, are you on board with my theory about Yates as a shadow co-leader or, or not? Uh, I think they will spin it like that. I think that's how they'll try and start it. I think they'll consider Adam Yates a co-leader as long as he's high up in GC. But I would expect it to quickly become clear that Yates will be on a, on a relatively solid gap the second that Vingo attacks somewhere and Pogaccio is the only one that can follow. That's how I see the scenario right now. And yes, he might be doing something like a Roglic early Grand Ole move, but I would expect Yumbo to not be 100% scared of directly chasing down an Adam Yates move. They'll probably control the attack in the at when it's happening, and if it actually gets away, 
they're probably going to make a decision of like, oh, it's not a big danger. He's on three minutes. So let's have him come back a bit. We can beat him in the next couple of mountain stages. Let's run through the, the scenario analysis today. Pagacha's mm -hmm. here. Yeah. 40 seconds behind Jonas. Yeah. Yates is here two minutes behind Jonas. Yumbo have their actual tour team. They've got Wilco, Sepp, and Wout also here. Um, Yates goes on that core, the, the third last climb. The, no, 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 the, the middle one. With the, yeah, the middle one. The middle one. Um, the course of whatever. Coucheron. Coucheron. He's got to do, <laughs> it's 30k from the finish. He's got to do yeah. Col de Port. He's got to do La Bastille. Yumbo have denied UAE getting a satellite rider in the breakaway, which they will be able to do. No way Jonas has to react, right? Adam Yates has got to but, do two. He's got to do Calderport 7K, 6% solo. He's got to do all of the pedaling descent solo. He's got to do La Bastille solo. And if you've got Wil Wilco, they just do Skytrain, right? Wilco and Koos yeah. just let him dangle 15 seconds ahead and just pace with Jonas in the wheel. No exactly. way he should react. Because on paper, at that point, you've still got Kelderman and Kaz with you. And even maybe someone else in the team. Wow. That's a maybe because there's a lot of rulers in, in the team as well. Semi. Semi-rolls, semi-climbers. Um, but you should have two or three riders to the left at that point, and then you skytrain behind the attack of Adam Yates because it's only to the top of the second last climb called the port, because then it's a descend and Bastille, and that they yeah. can do himself. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's gonna be difficult, but I still think uh with the former Pagacha, that's probably the that's what they'll be thinking. That's, I really, really do believe that. That they're not they don't just see Yates in the micro role. I really don't believe they see him like that. I just um, hope that it's a close fight. I don't care who the fuck wins of the two, or of the three, or of the whoever's on the top ten. I just want to see a good race. I want a close race until the final week. And I want it decided in the final week. Is Australia the best cycling country in the world? Is Australia three, the best cycling country in the world? Get the, the fuck out five, of here. Three it's in the top Belgium. five GC. Where's Belgium on GC here? Well, they're, they're, they're not the signed best. up because they're doing the, the Tour de Suisse because they believe they can... You're all cowards. All your GC riders are cowards. They don't go to serious races. They want to hide because <laughs> sports is too mean to them. <laughs> That's actually true. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, we are Swiss coverage. So tomorrow we will have... Uh, we're going to be recording our Netflix reaction on Monday. Yep. Uh, Tour de Suisse is a TT today and then Wout will probably win the sprint tomorrow. We will have our first... Um, well, re realistically... Uh, or someone like him, Thibaut Nace. Hopefully Thibaut Nace, Belgian. Belgian. Yeah, your best riser in Swiss. Um, <laughs> we will have our first Swiss coverage on Tuesday, I believe, which is a actually a, yep. difficult, a difficult mountain day. So we'll cover that race then with a quick recap of stages one and two. Uh, but that's all from us today. Dauphiné in the books. Vingegaard looking good. We'll see Poggy next, hopefully, at the Slovenian National Championships. Hopefully he's in good shape because, uh, yeah, I really want to see a big, big battle between Yamba Visma and UAE in this Tour de France. I can't wait, can't wait for it. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening as always, and we'll see you with the recap of the Netflix series tomorrow. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 